Introducing the Step by Pop Sugar, a new podcast for and about unstoppable women. I'm stylist Kate Young, and in each episode, I sit down with some of today's most inspiring women. You know the ones we all look at and think, how does she do that? We'll uncover the powerful stories behind the pivotal step that started it all. This episode of The Step by Pop Sugar is presented by Sorel. I'm not gonna do this and get sick and get here at seven and stay long hours and give what I have given. And by the way, be as good at my god darn job as I am. This is my worth, now pay me my worth. The voice you heard was entertainment journalist Kat Sadler. You probably know her as the former host of E! News and The Daily Pop. Two years ago, after learning that her male counterpart was making double her salary, Kat made the bold move to leave her dream job over pay inequality and create a new path on her own terms. Hello, Kat. We're so happy to have you here. We're starting each interview with this question. What is your current version of success versus your imagined version of success when your Mm. career first began? Gosh, that's a really good question. Um, it's funny when I decided I wanted to be a broadcast journalist, I knew I wanted to go into television. I knew I wanted to cover arts and entertainment and all things Hollywood. This was 20 plus years ago. I, I don't even know that I really knew what success was supposed to look like. For me, it was like successfully maybe getting out of a small town or successfully avoiding working at a cubicle or like, you know, I was, I was from kind of a landlocked smaller town and I knew I had these passions for, you know, I'm going to date myself, but video camera, you know, my friends and I, that's all we did. You know, I was Mm -hmm. always putting them on camera and vice versa. So I think success then would have been, you know, sliding into a job like Katie Couric's on the Today Show and being able to, on the one hand, be taken seriously in a really powerful position and reach people all over the world, but also, you know, she was able to infuse her personality, so she was really likable. And so, you know, if somebody said, here, you can have her job, I would think, oh, that is success, Mm -hmm. right? Just that's it. That's the pinnacle. That's what that must be look and feel like. I think I also, what's funny is I think when I, back when I was super young in my 20s, I think I did like one of those personality tests to find out like what it is that drives you. And it wasn't money. It was fame, which Ooh. I'm almost embarrassed to say out loud. But I think like, you know, I wanted to be a star in some sense. You know, I was in plays and musicals and all that. So probably very naively, back then, that's what I thought success Mm -hmm. was. A, would I be known in the world? Would I leave my mark? Mm -hmm. Uh, And B, would I get out of small town, probably America, in this kind of mundane existence in which I lived? And today, as I take a deep breath, it's so different. (laughs) It's so different today. It's even different than it was five years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. Today's success to me is primarily living on my own terms, being my own boss, calling the shots, not having to say yes um, if I don't want to. Mm -hmm. And to bring up full circle, being able to do what I love still very much plays a part of that. Um, Just getting up in the morning and knowing... These are things I get to do. I get to have amazing conversations with phenomenal human beings, and I get to be inspired. I get to inspire others, hopefully. So um, to know that my career has evolved this way and landed where it is at this very moment, it's very satisfying because I feel like it's 
incredibly authentic. I'm not faking mm-hmm. anything. I'm not doing it because I have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, people have to pay bills and all of that is, you know, work certainly has a value to it that is beyond just being fulfilled. Uh, and that's important. I'm raising two kids. But all those things have aligned in a really nice way to where today, sitting here right now, I feel very, very fortunate. Okay, so this podcast is called The Step, and it's about a pivotal moment. And I'd love to back up sort of uh, two different facets of it. First, I'd love to hear how you went from being a small-town girl to this journalist on E! And then also I'd love to hear about the turn you took when you decided to leave E! Mm-hmm. Sure. It's it's funny. I, I did declare my major broadcast journalism, so I did study um, journalism, and I secured um, an internship at a local Fox affiliate in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I'm from. That's when I kind of fell head over heels in love with storytelling Mm -hmm. um, and interviewing people. But I also was learning at the same time because it was was general assignment reporting what I didn't want to do. You know, I was covering fires and I was was covering murders. I saw dead bodies. Like it was like, whoa, very, very wide, you know, eye-opening. And, but what happened during that, that phase of my life, uh, just finishing college and just trying to figure out what I wanted to do is that I got a call. This is one of those stories that's like, really, did it happen that way? But I did get a call from an agent in New York uh-huh. and who had seen me on TV very briefly. I think I was all 21 at the time. And he said, you know, listen, I'm, I'm with uh, NS Beanstalk. We represent Diane Sawyer and Dan Rather <laughs> and all these people. And I'm just it's like fabulous. 21, hanging out like in Indiana. I'm in a band also at the time, I think. And I didn't even know what an agent was and what it meant or what he could do for me. So I kind of blew him off unknowingly. I felt like I was doing something wrong because I was working at this local TV station mm-hmm. and he was like wanting to say, hey, let's work together. Let's let's build something. And I was like, oh, that feels like I'm cheating on my boss. Like right. I really didn't even know what that meant. So to make a very long story short, I asked around and um, he kept calling. And then eventually the anchor of the news that I, I was on at the time said, you call him back immediately and you put your reel together and you get that to him. And so it was Ezra, to his credit, you know, I think a lot of younger women, especially pre-digital age, mm-hmm. you know, when everybody was a little further apart at the time, um, you know, you're rarely asked, what is it you want to do? Mm-hmm. What is your dream? What What do you want to accomplish? And he was the first person that looked at me <laughs> over the phone, said to me, what do you want? And I was like, whoa, no one's like point blank right. asked me that. Like, I can answer? Like, what do I really want? And then I just, you know, I vomited all over. I'm like, well, I want to be like in Hollywood and I want to be like, I want to do what she does and I want to cover with red carpet and I want to, you know, I had it in my mind, but no one had ever asked me that before. And he was like, well, if that's what you want, let's engineer your career to get you there. And so it was like this whole world, the idea of possibilities became really clear to me. And mm-hmm. and so that's exactly what we did. I My first job was in San Francisco uh, back when the WB was a very big thing. And it just, you know, it was like the days of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and all of these, you know, the WB was blowing up and they needed young, you know, kind of hip, edgy, fun, young people doing news. So Mm -hmm. that was very different and rare. And so that was my first full-time entertainment reporting job was in San Francisco um, at 22 on the WB20 News at 10. And (laughs) um, 
and it was wild. It, that was really like my college because yeah. that was where I learned the very most. I was there almost four years and I, I was booking my own guests. I was producing my own stories. I was dressing myself. You can appreciate this. Like yeah. did all my own glam, did all my own outfits, mm-hmm. did edit, you know, help the editors. Like it was a start to finish. Those were the days I think I had to be there eight hours. I would have been there. I was there 12 because I right. wanted to be, I was so hungry and I learned so, so much. So those were the early days. That's how I got into broadcasting yeah. full time. I did local news for about 10 years before I ever even got to eat. So I did and had two kids. I know we don't have forever, so I'll spare you some of the details, but that's <laughs> kind of it. That was the first kind of half of my reporting and anchoring career. And then I got the itch. I was um, early 30s and I would, you know, I had two kids. I was back in Indiana by this point on television doing a morning show and covering Hollywood and New York and mm-hmm. covering movie junkets and reporting on pop culture. But I was unfulfilled professionally. I had that itch. I still knew I had more to do. I said, you know, if you don't, if you don't try, you know, you never know. And so what about, what about actually moving to Los Angeles and getting a full-time job? And three months after really deciding that that's the trajectory I wanted to pursue, um, I got my first job on E for a show called The Daily Ten, which I was one of three hosts that hosted that show every day. And then let's and talk I left. about leaving. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how I got there. Uh, that's how I got there in 2006. So that, I mean, you know, success, which you were asking about, dreams, you know, these are all things that I think, I believe, you know, change over time, right? Your yeah. ideas of success change. Your dreams change. And for me, that was once upon a time, the end all be all dream. Yeah. Well, to- part of it is that you, you achieved them. Right. 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 And and nothing is ever quite as great as it seems from the outside. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and thank goodness for dreams, because if we didn't have them, then, you know, we'd just be, you know, going in circles for no reason. So it's, yeah, the goalposts change, right, over time. And so that was a dream of mine without question. I mean, that's probably, you know, getting the call that I was moving from a very snowy, cold Indiana life, living in a cul-de-sac, you know, in a little, you know, neighborhood where all the houses looked the same and all the people looked the same and everybody did the same thing. I, I just knew I was dying a slow death there. And to get that call and say, yeah, we want you, we want to move you and your family here to do a daily show on E and, you know, interview Johnny Depp and Brad Pitt and Scarlett Jan- you know, all the people I idolized. That was it at the time. Totally. And it was it for a long time. It was it for more than a decade. I, I did that show. I did E! News. It was it. It was a grind for sure. Back to not working for yourself. I mean, and anybody who works for somebody or a corporation knows this. Like, you go in and it is, we spend more time away from home, you know, more time at work than we do with our families, right? right? You invest yeah. and you give and you, and mind you, I loved what I was doing, um, but I did that for almost 12 years. And then the last year, I got an additional show called Daily Pop, which was two hours. It was live every day, which meant I was kind of driving the show in the one seat. I had people in my ear, you know, telling me what to do, what to say while a person was here. And we were live television. We had live guests. It was by the way, I'm explaining how difficult it was and how much more complicated it looks than when you're sitting at home just watching. Mm-hmm. But I was flying high. I loved it. I lived yeah, for it, right? It like the rush like- of that, the adrenaline. I was finally doing exactly what I think I was intended to do. All that work leading up to that last year. And 
around that time, or just about 10 months before I left, a female executive called me into a closed door meeting and she, you know, which I, I remember the email because it was one of those like, hey, we should talk about fashion week or something mm-hmm. and let's just, just meet me. It just, I knew right away it wasn't about that, right? but I didn't know what the meeting would was actually going to uh, to really reveal. And so she just flat up told me, she just said, you need to know, you should know, mm-hmm. you are severely underpaid. And wow. that was 12 years in. And I think she felt somewhat of a duty or obligation to share that information with me because I was working so hard, because I was doing yeah. two shows a day at the time, because I was coming in at seven. And she knew that my contract was coming up. She was an executive, of course. So she was just like, it was kind of like one of those girl. I felt like yeah. it was like looking out for me. Like, hey, when you when you renegotiate, you better you best know like yeah. just what the disparity is. Totally. And so when she told me that, I was a little embarrassed because even two years ago, this would be almost three years ago now, like people just weren't talking like they are even today. Right. And those conversations weren't being had. People weren't being as transparent. And it just felt very taboo at that moment to be like, yo, Jason, what are you making? Are you kidding me? Am I making this much? Like, I it, I was right. embarrassed. I was a little angry. I felt, you know, taken advantage of, yeah. all those things. So then I thought, well, I have some work to do. I need to find out the information, get the facts. I thought that would be power and that I could use that to my advantage and that I would negotiate more money knowing what I knew, which was, you know, we'd been there the same amount of time, literally 12 years, like, mm-hmm. down to the month. We had almost identical contributions to the network. We had, you know, it's funny. Is what do I, you think it was? Just that he was a man? Do you think it was that you were coming from Indiana and you didn't no, ask for more originally? No, no, because on paper, I actually have 10 more years experience. So even look at that, right? Like yeah. I had 10 years even before I got to E. Mm-hmm. I think and believe, but yes, I was probably underpaid for so long yes. that when you're a corporation, then you look at the numbers like, ha, yeah, right. Like we're going to double your salary on a random Friday as if number one. So some of that certainly plays into my naivete for sure. And the onus that I have in, in the responsibility of owning my own career and what I'm making. Um, but it was, I think it's more of just a systematic, pervasive reality that mm-hmm. has happened in many, as we know, companies across all industries where this is just the norm. Before we go to break, I'd love to ask you to share five things with us that you do or practice every morning or evening to try and stay sane, stay motivated, and manifest your goals. I mean, I'd be curious to know what what you started doing during that time. <laughs> well, I definitely, at the time, increased my number of hot yoga sessions every week. I definitely, I don't do hot yoga every day, but I do meditate most every day. And whether that looks like just reading some affirmations or just writing down something I'm grateful for, I really do start most days like that. When I can and they'll allow me, kissing my kids is huge. Bringing it back to family, always just, just you know, all of the stress in the world. It's like, oh yeah, this is what matters. Yeah. This right here is, is what matters the most. To stay organized and motivated work-wise, I still like to write to-dos on paper with mm-hmm. a pen, <laughs> which, you know, we've gotten away from. But I, if I can cross something off on my list every mm-hmm. day, then I think that's a win, you know. And then I, th- I would say something else I do every single day is I answer a DM from a stranger. So, Oh, really? I really do because 
like so much of what I do, mm-hmm. you know, I have a following now and I have an Instagram business and I have a, a, a website business and I want people to listen to my podcast. So I have to connect with my audience. Wow. But for me, because that's my livelihood is yeah. who's, who wants to listen to my podcast? Who wants to hear these conversations? So my business is now my audience. Yeah, that's really So I have to connect with them and I want to because mm-hmm. luckily I, I, I definitely do get the occasional lame DM, um, for sure. Like I was criticized the other day for having a paper cup in my hand, you know, it's just like right. that kind of stuff. But by oh, the way, yeah. I'm like, well, she's not wrong. I shouldn't probably right. have a paper cup in my hand. You Better know what I mean? A paper cup than a plastic bottle. Yeah, true. So I do pay attention and I certainly can't read them all either, but I like to connect and touch base and, and honestly just mostly say thank you. I mean, cause like I do, I get so many nice messages or they were touched by a podcast episode or they, you know, saw me on the Tamron Hall show last week, or whatever. And they say nice things. So it's like, I noticed them saying those things and I, it's very kind and, and they might not have the time. So I want to, I want to acknowledge that. So that makes me feel great. Fulfilled. Yeah. We're going to go to a break. So we'll be back in a minute with more from Kat Sadler. As I've mentioned, Sorel is our partner for this series. I've always been a huge fan of their strong, supportive, and fashionable footwear. I think each woman in this series can agree that the more supportive your footwear is, the more powerful you feel. Check out their new fall styles at Sorel.com. Welcome back to The Step by Pop Sugar. I'm Kate Young, and I'm back with Kat Sadler. What was the moment you decided you were going to leave? You know, you heard that information, and you walked out, and... I'm sure you had that, like, cold feeling in your Mm -hmm. body, like, I can't believe this is happening after all I've given. So at what point do you say, like, no more? We're going to go? Well, that only happened after they refused to renegotiate and put me even ballpark to what my co-host was making. So So they just flat out admitted it. Um, They said, yes, that's fine, but... No, I mean, so in television, right, we have Mm -hmm. these agents and teams that do most of the negotiating for us. So I wasn't even in those conversations. But I made it very clear after finding out that information, uh, we're going to ask for what I deserve. We're going to ask for what I know I'm worth. I am, you know, I'm not going to do this and get sick and get here at seven and stay long, all these more hours and do all the things and give what I have given. And by the way, be as good at my God darn job as I am Mm -hmm. after 20 years in the business. Like I, I knew my value because I was on air more than anybody else at the time. So this wasn't a question like, am I good at what I do? Like, it was like, this is my worth now pay me my worth. And I didn't give them dollar, you know, like a number, but I was like, we have to get ballpark. And that's what my team was communicating over many months, to be honest. Right. This is how negotiations yeah. go back and forth and back and forth. And ultimately, uh, at the end, in the last month before my contract would expire, they were like, this is it. We're not going any higher. And that number was nowhere near, nowhere near still even ballpark of what he was making. <gasps> and so I had to make a decision. And that's when, you know, my team's like, are you really going to walk? You said you were going to walk. Are you really going to walk? You know, mostly men, by the way, on my team at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's when the soul searching began. That's when it was like long talks with my mom, long talks with my kids, long yeah. talks. That's when I really started seeking the advice of my personal mentors and females in the business. And mind you, at the time, I had been covering the Me Too movement for about the last four or five months. Mm-hmm. So I was witnessing all of these strong, brave, courageous women. Yeah standing up for themselves, Mm -hmm. speaking their truth, speaking out against power Mm -hmm. in ways that had never been done before. So I'm watching them and I'm like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Will they ever work again? Are they going to be blacklisted? Like there's always a risk, right? 
Because people did care. And people yeah. cared because it's happening to them too. That's why people cared. People cared because it's so many women's stories across all industries mm -hmm. at all ages. And so it was like, please fight that fight, cat. Keep going because, you know, there is, there is value in uh, keeping this movement going. Yeah. So before the break, we dug deep into that period before and during you leaving. Um, now I'd love to talk more about today, mm -hmm. about where you are now. I really enjoyed your podcast. I've mm -hmm. been listening to it. Naked? Um, tell you me. mean naked? Yes. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, tell me about it. Tell me about how mm. the concept came to you and how you choose your guests. Yes. I was craving having more meaningful conversations, mm -hmm. looser conversations where women women um, get really raw and revealing and share of themselves because I feel, and I think what I've learned in the time that we're at in um, today is for, you know, we as women, we live in this like really manicured existence where everybody feels like they have to look a certain way or behave a certain way. And we're not like connecting. So the idea for Naked, my podcast was come to my bedroom, which is also very different. This isn't a big machine. It really is your bedroom. It is really my bedroom. And I'm used to- Do you build a little quiet fort to do it in? No. And I live near a school. Like we have our, but listen, I think that's the beauty of podcasts, mm. right? It's real. If my dog barks or if my cat cries or if my kids come home from school, people mm -hmm. like hearing that. People mm -hmm. don't mind real News alert, right. it's real. I think people feel more part of it. They feel part of the community knowing that's how it feels. Mm -hmm. So it is in my bedroom. And I thought, if I if I want my guests to come in and be vulnerable and talk about toxic relationships or, I mean, we've covered everything from, you know, uh, women coming out with their homosexuality to, um, to trauma as children, sexual abuse. I mean, it's not all heavy. I didn't want it to be gloom and doom, but I wanted a safe place for women to share their true stories and how they were shaped and what makes them them. And so, yeah, it's hard having people come to my house in my bedroom and I feel like I have to clean and I can't have dog hair all over the place and, I, you know, they're judging me. But that's okay. That's the point. Mm -hmm. Take me for me. This is who I am. And that's what I will do for you. So we take off at the beginning of every episode a little something, our armor, our material things that we all wear around. Who doesn't love great stilettos and beautiful earrings or whatever and all the jewelry and a red lip? But if we take all that off, what's underneath? I mean, what I was thinking when you said that is I do feel like Instagram and your podcast, things like this, do make celebrities feel more approachable and more human. But I find that in real life, Instagram has made real people seem more perfect. Mm. And I think it really messes with people's heads mm. a lot. You know, it seems like... I follow this one woman's husband who's always writing these like love letters mm. and taking these backlit photos of her. And I looked at my husband and I was like, have you taken a picture of me in the last year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I you, do. I think too much, too much of that. Yeah. That's exactly my point is you feel less than you feel like that's you're supposed to be living up to some ideal of perfect that does not exist. It's impossible. Like adoring husband, yeah. well-behaved, clean children. Yeah. No, no. Big I diamonds. Know. Same. I know. <laughs> but see how many of us are feeling that exact same way. I mean, all of us. And I mean, I would even make a case for, and I'm trying to do this myself, like 
I notice my body again changing if I'm on Instagram too long because then I'm like, oh, you know, oh God, she's 22. She looks amazing. Like it, it's, it's mm. such a disservice to who we are that I just have to start muting people and unfollow. Like, why are you following those? But then just, we just have to, we have to edit our follows so that whoever, I had an author on my podcast, Gia Tolentino, who wrote this amazing book called Trick Mirror. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot about how our society in, in today works and how all this Instagram life and everything being like shoved down our throats and we think we have to be a certain way. And she's like, Instagram makes me feel great. And I was like, well, how? And she's like, because I follow pet accounts, dog accounts, <laughs> nature videos. Yeah. It's like, we don't have to follow supermodels. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I was like, wow, it's that simple. That's She great. loves Instagram because she looks at like National yeah. Geographic. I, <laughs> I tend a lot of the time, instead of scrolling through, just looking up the people whose accounts I really like. And looking at all their pictures, because the algorithm, the way the feed comes in, sometimes bums me out. And I want to see, like, my friend's kid, who I know she takes a picture of him every day. So, like, I just look up her account and look at all her stuff, because she might be buried, like, 20 pictures back. I get the picture she posted three days ago. Yeah, totally. So how has this step that you've taken affected your quality of life? Like, how do you feel... Now, mm-hmm. um, I feel a certain, um, I feel a, a kind of balance now, mm. I think more than ever before. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I mean, there, this has been a season of building for me, right? So uh, I have had to create a lot. I've had to learn a lot. Um, it goes back to that young girl in me who wanted to leave Indiana who was just itching for more, I, I kind of feel like it's a reset again mm-hmm. where it's like, now what do I want? And what does that look like? And how do I get there? But that is another huge learning curve. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to develop TV shows now, unscripted shows. And that means going into big networks and Netflix and pitching and, and knowing a business plan and having a strategy. And that's very different than go on this assignment and interview so-and-so. Yeah. It's very different. So... Um, in many ways, it's been more energizing because it's more work. It requires more of me thinking, not just going through the motions. Um, there are moments of insecurity for sure, because now, you know, the way that I monetize my life and make money, I mean, it's all over the place. I could give a keynote speech maybe for on a women's issue, or I could do a campaign with some big companies, which I have done again, back to this fight for equal pay, or, you know, I have my website and my podcast now. So the way that I, my business runs is very piecemeal now. And Mm -hmm. so it requires a lot of myself giving in hustling a lot of different arenas and hustling. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been freelance yeah. forever. The hustle is the fun part. Yeah, it is fun. Mm. It's fun. It can be scary if you're not married and you don't have a second income just in case. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it is fun, um, but there's another kind of pressure associated with that. But I'm fine. So far, so good, you mm-hmm. know. Um, that's just in the back of my mind. I don't want to be naive. So, um, but yeah, it is fun. And the hustle is fun. And building and the unknown, I like. I like mm-hmm. leaning into that. Like, ooh, where's this going to go? And maybe this project will get off the ground. Maybe it won't. But then I'll take a left turn. Yeah, over here another one yeah I love that I love I love that before you go we want to play our favorite game here at the step it's called step forward or step back and each episode we pose a rapid fire round of real life dilemmas to our unstoppable women and get your quick take on whether you would step forward into the situation or step back okay first one ready you are offered your dream job but the salary is much less than you had hoped 
Do you step forward and trust that by placing yourself in a job you love, that money will come later? Or do you step back? Ooh, this year I'm going to step back. Mmm. Okay, you develop pretty serious romantic feelings about a colleague and get the opportunity off-site to express them. Step forward with pursuing a work-related romance or step back. I think my live-in boyfriend wouldn't really be down for that, so I'm going to step way back. <laughs> <laughs> Your close friend approaches you with an idea for starting a project and a business together. Do you step forward in good faith or step back and never mix friendship and business? I would step forward. I think my friends and I, we know our strengths, we know our weaknesses. I think we would be savvy enough to navigate how to pull that off. Thank you. Okay, so my last question what makes you unstoppable? I would have to say um, being unapologetically truthful in exactly who I am. Uh, I think if we're all authentic, I think if we're not lying to ourselves, I think if we're being completely sure of who we are and then we walk that walk and don't just talk it, then we are unstoppable. I love that, and I think that is so much easier said than done. Right. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant a answer, and it's so hard. Yeah. Well, it's a practice. Like, it's mm-hmm. like yoga, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for me, you know, talking those voices out of my head and reminding mm-hmm. them who's in charge, those voices you <laughs> go, and then I'm going to invite in the other voices, the ones I like more, who, mm-hmm. you know, these are far more productive and healthy thoughts and trying to focus on those always. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Kate. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Step by Pop Sugar. A huge shout out to our sponsor, Sorel, making powerful footwear for unstoppable people. You can find The Step by Pop Sugar at popsugar.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share with friends and tune in next week 